words. Um, we just thank you, Lord, for, for music, Lord, that it can do um, so much to help us to really understand, Lord. And it's something that we can um, learn and grow through even just hearing um, just hearing a song can, can really minister to our hearts. And Lord, I, I just thank you for um, even that, that gift of um, song and music. And Lord, we just want to worship you, Lord, through the reading of your word, through the understanding of your word. You know where everybody's at, Lord, in their lives. You know what everybody's going through. You know what's going to happen tomorrow, things that we don't even know nor can foresee. But you already know, and you are you are good, and you hold us together. And you promise that you'll be with us, Lord, that you love us. Not because we love you, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it. But you are love, as your word declares to you. So help us right now to open your word. Help us to have understanding. Help us to um, to be able to receive what your word says. Fill us tonight, Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you would just use me, Lord, to help your word to be understood, and that anything that is not of me, Lord, if I say anything, Lord, I pray that it would fall on deaf ear if it's not from you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, like I was saying last week, um, Paul was talking about the different gifts and the purposes of them, and really the purpose is, was for unity, is for unity, and it's for the edification of the body of Christ. So when we leave these four walls of church, we're still the body of Christ. This is just a building. So whether you act as a Christian here, you, we need to act as a Christian out there as well. And so the body is not just an eye or a hand, it's the full body. And so it's beautiful when you think about that God gave us that those purposes for each other. And so 12 verse, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sandy, sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. That's pretty intense. You think about... Um, those are pretty big things. Those are gifts. If I had faith to move a mountain, but I have no love, then it's pointless. So you think about if, if people just tell you all day long how much they know, but you never see how much they care or their love, then it's pointless and it's really empty. And so Paul is addressing that like, yeah, desire these gifts, but you need love. We need love. And though it's hard to love somebody, especially an unlovable person or somebody that's wronged you or hurt you, desire love because you can have all these gifts, but without love, it's, it's purposeless. Even like he says to be, give your body to be burned. I mean, that's a pretty big sacrifice, but why would you want that without love? Maybe you want honor. Maybe you want prestige. Maybe you want people looking at you and you want to go down as being a hero, but if it's not in love, then it's pointless. 
So I, I, I was just thinking through that too of um, when people, you're out somewhere and uh, you, need, you need help. Maybe your car breaks down or whatnot and um, people come along to help you. Simple acts of kindness. It goes such a long way. But it's all relationship because if somebody helps me but they don't even acknowledge that I exist, they just kind of like put my, my uh, battery working again, but they don't make eye contact and have that concern. It's, it's, just a, it's just a deed. There's no love there. And so I thought about that with us of our acts of service. Are they rooted in genuine love or in selfish ambition? Why do we serve? Why do we do we do it because we feel obligated? We, do we do it for a paycheck? Do we do it for um, for gain in the community? Um, you know, sometimes we see that with politicians. Um, not all politicians, but sometimes they are all about helping the neighbor and you know want a picture with the person shaking their hand. But where's the love? And so God sees right through that. And so those are questions for us as. As he was addressing Corinthians, what's your purpose? You, you can have these gifts, but you gotta have love. And that love, let's talk about that love as he gets into it in, in verse four. What love really is, because it's not the act of service. It's the act behind the service. So why are we doing it? What's our motive? What's our purpose? So in verse four, he says, love suffers long and is kind. That's hard. <laughs> love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So with that, I wanted to kind of go through and pick apart a little bit, have a little bit more understanding of what these words really are, because the word love isn't a fluffy feeling because we can, especially, you know, when we maybe we're married, those of you that are married or whatnot, you might have fluffy butterfly feelings with your husband or boyfriend or whatever, but then he does something and it's gone. I've been there 22 years, right? It's, it can come and go, but love is an act. It's the will to do it regardless if you're going to receive it back or not. And that is how God displayed it for us in the Old Testament. It was through his loving kindness that he would make promises to his people, to the chosen, his chosen people. And yet they would sin and rebel. He still was faithful to fulfill those promises. That's agape. That's long suffering. That's patience. That's kindness. That's like he says in, in Galatians 5:22. love is, um, I'm sorry, the fruit of the spirit is love. It's love. And then all those attributes come in it with it. But that's, that's the attribute of the Lord is that he's long suffering and he's kind. And so those are two things that we look at when we look at these verses, um, that what love really is. And we see that God is love as he, he proclaims too in his word that he is love, but it's something that we can't, um, only give, even though we're going to be rejected. Jesus loved Judas knowing Judas was going to betray him. And he still loved the disciples, whether or not they were going to follow him or not. And so Jesus is our example. Going to the cross, that was the deepest um, example of agape love because he did it while we were yet sinners, as Romans 5, 8 says. 
that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even if we choose not to receive him. We all know people that are going to choose not to receive him, but he still died for them. And that's agape. And for us, it's hard to understand. I, as I was reading this and studying it this past week, I'm like, oh man, I got tested big time. Um, but I can't do it on my own. This kind of love is not something that I can do. I can do filet all day. I can be friends. I'm extrovert. I love people. I can love on you. Now you can have the brother or the, the love with my family. But this love requires Christ in me. And if we don't have Jesus, we don't have the Holy Spirit, can't do it. Because when something happens, we'll fall apart or take vengeance. So the words patient and long-suffering, just a few definitions. To not lose heart. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. I don't like that. Just, you know, my flesh is not comfortable with that. To be mild and slow in avenging. Slow to anger. Slow to punishment. But we know that the Lord says, vengeance is mine, not yours. Why? Because he knows. He sees the picture. He, we don't. We don't get it. We see what's before us and, okay, God, I see this. It's black and white. And he says, no, 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 no. It's mine. I will deal with it. You give it to me. You be patient and long-suffering. Let me handle it. Kindness. Sympathetic or helpful nature. Gentle. Synonyms for that is soft-hearted and compassionate. That's the Lord towards us. He knows how... Our lives are just, you know, but a vapor and we do so many foolish things and we say so many hurtful things. But he's so kind to us and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But God, through the agape love, his determination to keep his promises to his children, though they rebel and sin. That I'm not that (laughs) I need the Lord because I'm not that type of person. We all struggle with that. And when we look at it deeply, we can say, oh, I struggle here or I struggle there. I'm a mama bear by nature. I, that's my spirit animal is a bear. I've been told, and those that know me well, I'm a bear. But I can quickly want to protect and nurture and whatnot as a mama bear, but at the same time, I can jump too fast and take it into my own hands, and it, then it's ugly then I look like a fool as well. But let's look at what it's not. So he says in verse 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. So envy, we might think, oh, it's not that bad. But envy is what Cain was to Abel. And when Abel had a more great gift than Cain did and envy he murdered his brother and so God doesn't want envy he doesn't want it in our hearts so when somebody does something well we should with the Lord's help even if maybe it's something maybe somebody gets promoted and you think I I was supposed to be me but that's not what love is love is being grateful for that person rejoicing with that person praising God thank you Lord that you bless them with this job Maybe you weren't supposed to get that job, whatever that circumstance is, but to not be envious. Joseph was envied by his older brothers in Genesis 37, causing Joseph to become a slave. 
Envy might seem small and little, but it really affects our hearts. Love doesn't parade itself. It doesn't need attention. And if we're looking, if we're doing things to get attention because of our good deeds and we want, we want um, acknowledgement from it or praises, then it's not love. We should be willing to love anonymously, however that looks like, and not looking for it for praises. And I know there's times where um, you may feel like over and over you're doing stuff and it's like, man, I don't, I don't feel like maybe you're not getting promoted or, or, or getting wa- walked on or whatnot, but the Lord sees it all. And so it's all in his timing. And maybe it is a time that he's humbling you and he's allowing you to walk through it. But you're accountable for you. I'm accountable for me. So... The next, he says, not, love is not puffed up or arrogant. Love's true intention is to loving others and not in its own pride or spiritual pride, not in making yourself a name. So those two go hand in hand with pride, and we know God hates pride. And we know that pride turned a beautiful angel that was a worship angel into the devil. And so we, don't want, we, we shouldn't want that. And if we have it, we need to deal with it. Love doesn't behave rudely. Simply put, we know what it's like to not be rude. We've, we've seen people being rude, and uh, it's not pleasant. And so the same for us, having manners, but not putting our nose up either, going, I'm, I have better manners than you, not boasting about it, but just being kind, kindness. Again, it goes hand in hand with that. And it does not seek its own. So we know that Jesus was all, always helping others, others-minded, and that's, that's love. We should not be um, considering ourselves first. And if always that's our first thought, you know, we, we are selfish people by nature. You take a picture, you're the first person you're going to look at. When you look at the, it could be a group shot, and you look right at yourself because you're thinking about yourself. And maybe everyone else is blinking, but you're like, it's a good picture. I look good. I'm, I'm wide-eyed, <laughs> but really, you know, seeking your, your own is not, it's, we should be others-minded, and that Jesus was our perfect example of that, constantly putting others' needs before his own. Even when the disciples would say, you need to eat, he's like, I, I, this is my food to do the Father's will. He was considered, considering others first, and so you all know you have families, or if you're single, you have people in your life. You know what maybe that looks like, how you can be helping others first and putting others before yourself. It is not provoked. Love is not provoked. How often do we get provoked by somebody that knows sometimes they just know how to pry or poke at us? But it can be dangerous because Moses, when he was provoked by the people, and I... I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. For years, they were just poking and poking. And so um, Moses went through a lot with the, the Israelites on the way to the promised land. But because he allowed them to provoke him to anger, he didn't get to enter the promised land. God means what he says, and he says what he means. And so we have to be people that are careful of that and not allow that to get to provoke us. And it's easy. And maybe that means we don't go on Facebook <laughs> because it, those things can come up. 
And I mean, even for myself yesterday, I went through something that was pretty harsh. Um, the day was going well. And then, um, I, uh, ex- estranged, I don't know what the word is, but, um, a, a person in my family, I love dearly just blasted some evil things on Facebook and it hurt me so much that I was angry and, um, it ended up my sister said she's no longer my sister and I could be so provoked to where I could be so filled with anger that I can go and do something in my flesh, but I, I can't do that. So I, I took it to Lord, I'm teaching this. I have to live this. I can't just say one thing and do another. So I have to, and I did not mean to put it out there who it was, but it's hard. It's hard because we are in the world that is filled with sin. We're sinners. We're imperfect. But when people around us love us and yet they, or we love them, but yet they provoke us to wrath, it's, we have to be careful. It's a sin. I sinned because I got so angry, but God, by his grace, I can say, Lord, you handle it. You know, I love her so much. And my heart is that she repents and comes to you because her life is falling apart. So I, yesterday, was ready to strike the rock instead of speaking to the rock. But we can't do that because that's not what love is. Love thinks no evil. Letting go of the past hurts of others instead of tying them around your wrist. I was just thinking about that here. We're supposed to tie his commandments in a sense around around ourselves so we know. So we're constantly in his word and um, not literally, you know, people don't do that anymore. But but to know his word. But what are we doing instead? Are we tying those past hurts? So every time we see somebody, do we remember that hurt that they did? Or when we see them, do we say... You know, are, are you forgetting those things that, that should be, have forgotten because you've forgiven them? Because it's not good. It's just going to eat at you. And just as the, the message in that, um, in that video, forgiveness, I mean, really we're the prisoners when we don't forgive. And, and it looks different at different times for everybody, but if we're constantly thinking evil of those people that maybe wronged us or, um, or being negative all the time, I can, I can do that. I can be an Eeyore and I need to, to let those things go and move forward because that's God's best for me. I have to move forward. Verse six does not rejoice in iniquity, not seeking sorrow on those that have hurt you, not, not thinking about that, not hoping, well, I hope they get what they did to me, but instead wanting them to have good or a blessing. And we see that in God's word in Matthew, Matthew five forty three. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's a tall task. That's hard. Because when people hurt us or or whatever the limit, I mean, it, it can go on and on to love them. But it looks different. Maybe it's not you're actually trying to be buddy-buddy with them. 
there's common sense. We need to use our discernment. This situation with my own sister, I can't go and try to make things right because it's it's not going to be healthy. It's not going to be safe. So I have to pull back and how I can love is through prayer and not lash back and not say those things that are in my heart that I want to say. And even if it's true, but not, there's a time for it. And so he says, do, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Even in the church, we get persecuted. It's sad, but even among the brethren, it can happen. And it ought not to be so. We know that, but it happens. And so even then, we have to pray. Sometimes we don't even know who it is, but we know that there's things being said or this or that, and we just have to pray because it, that's God's heart. That's his desire. He loves us so much, and he loves the people that are persecuting you too. And that's something of never forgetting where you came from because before Christ, you were in that situation too. I was in that situation too. And so nobody's too far from Christ. Nobody's too far from the hand of God of forgiveness. Verse 45, that you may be of, be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, but you do more than um, others, do even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And again, these are huge tasks, but it's by God's grace. It's through him. It's asking the Holy Spirit, help me to love these people. Help me to love my enemies. Help me to bless those that curse me. And Jesus walked through it. Even on the cross as he's hanging there and he's being ridiculed and he's, things are being said about him and he knows the hearts of man and even the thieves on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Only can I say that by God's grace because it's so hard. We are, we are in this flesh and it's hard to do this, but we're called to do it. And so because we love the Lord, we want to be obedient to him. So as he says, don't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. And that's the good thing is we get to rejoice in the truth. What is the truth? God loves me. He died for me. And guess what? He died for them too. And they don't like me. They're talking ill of me. They hate me right now. But God, you love them. Help me to love them too. Help me to have those eyes to see them the way you see them. It's hard. Verse 7, more things on what love is. So he goes back and he says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's a lot. (laughs) It's not part and in part, bear some things, you know, there's a level of, you know, you can take it or leave it all like that. (laughs) That's hard, you know, and again, it's God because there's no way I could bear all things. People do stuff and I want to say, well, I'll take this much. Okay. I got hurt this much. And what does he say <laughs> when he says forgiveness? It's 70 times seven. It's not, okay, all right, five times you've hurt me. I'm moving on. No, it's, it's all things. So bear all things. And for us, it's, it's one of those things we have to remember again where we came from and that nobody is perfect. And us as ladies in here, as sisters in Christ, 
remember that the person that maybe you're upset with, they're fallible too. So whether they, they're not going to be perfect in word and deed. Maybe, I know I've offended people being up here and I've said things and, and I've hurt people and I, that was not my heart nor my intention and it hurts me and I can't take it back because it's worse. And then, you know, but if, if people aren't willing to forgive me and, and come to me and say, you know, that really kind of hurt that, Ooh, that hurt. I don't know. And I can't make it right. But if people come in, then I can talk to them. And so it's the same for us. If we have something against our sister or our neighbor or whoever, if we don't, we just hold this grudge and we don't move forward, then how can we bear all those things? We're just going to hold on to them and become bitter, angry people. But it, it helps having that light of remembering where we came from, that we all, we all need Jesus. And before Christ, we would do, um, we were in sin and living the way we wanted to. So bears all things is, is basically to cover all things because that's what love does. It says um, love covers multitude of sins. It's not saying it's okay what you did. It's okay. Like, that's okay. Do it again. No, it's, it's covering it. And then if somebody does something, it's not pointing it out and putting it on Facebook or the news. Like, did you see what they did? That's, that's not what that is. So when we see the errors in others, we need to be gracious and merciful. And I saw this little quote about an oyster. (laughs) And an oyster, you know, they're not very cute or glamorous, but um, when a tiny piece of grain of sand gets inside there, they don't want it there. It's kind of like an annoying person, right? It's like, you're really rubbing me the wrong way. But the sand, they they end up putting this special... um, ingredient that they have in their oyster shell over the the sand and it it what happens it ends up creating a beautiful pearl and it's priceless so they take this horrible bad situation that's painful and they they allow the way god made them to make it something beautiful and i just thought about that of you know and even though we go through these horrible things and we don't see what the beauty is going to be at the outcome at that time god does And he says he uses all things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So that's what we can hold on to, of knowing that it's going to be good. It don't feel good. I don't like it. But you are good, God. Believes all things. So love believes all things. I know, again, I am not... (laughs) Like I was sharing, I could be the one that, you know, thinks it remembers the past and stuff, but I have to be, we have to be the ladies that believe God's got this. And that's really who we're putting our hope in. It's not in people. I love my family. I love my sister to pieces. If you guys know me, you know that that is, she's been on my heart forever that she comes to Christ. And I'm not believing that she can do it on her own. I know she needs Jesus. But I have to believe that God will save her. Even if it's by the skin of her teeth on her deathbed, I don't know, but I have to keep believing. I can't let that go. And so that's for you, ladies. Whatever that is, whatever wherever you're at right now in your in your lives, believing all things. We have to. We have to choose to believe in the best of others as well. Even though that person may not be in the in a right place, but Christ. 
So a question I thought of with this was, are you one that constantly finds the best in others or the worst in others? Ouch. I was like, ooh. You know, we can. We can be those people that are constantly encouraging one another or, like, just so negative and, like, finding all their faults and, you know, critiquing things. But that's not the heart of God. We should be looking for the best and believing all things, that God can do amazing things and looking for those beautiful things in one another. Love hopes all things. Hope is what we need. We all need hope because this life is hard. And I am grateful and hopeful for heaven because I don't want to stay here. (laughs) I'm glad we get new bodies. I'm glad we get to be with Jesus. But hope is in God always in every circumstance, instead of thinking it's never going to get better. And I'm guilty of this, of just feeling like, man, I can't take one more hurt. I can't take one more negative thing. I can't take one more health issue, blah, 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 whatever. But I can. I have to think the other. I have to have hope that God's going to handle it. And he already has it. And he already has the future. Endures all things. So the last thing here, he says, um, endures all things. And again, this is tough. This is why it's all in the Lord. It's all by the Spirit. It is all a gift from the Lord. Love is a gift. Because it is humanly impossible for us to endure everything. If you've had a baby, you know, I don't know how I survived six childbirths. But (laughs) I endured them. And some were natural and some were not. But that is God's amazing gift, even to be able to have a baby. So, I mean... You know, it's just, it's just amazing. But I, I think of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I'm relying on him, if I'm trusting him, I can do all things. I can go through another surgery. I can go through whatever it is. And it, it's not saying it's going to be pleasant. We know that. If we've lived, you know, any amount of time, we know that life is, is hard and it's challenging. And not to be Debbie Downers over here, ladies, youngins. <laughs> But it is. It's challenging. You guys know already. But it's. But God is good and he's faithful. And Jesus is always our example in this. Jesus went through so much suffering for us. And he endured it all for love, for the sake of us, for, for forgiveness of sins, that we could be with him forever. Verse 8. Love never fails. Praise God. <laughs> That love never fails. It's always going to to be without failure. It's always going to work. Love always works. Agape love works. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. You know, when we get to heaven, these other gifts that he's talking about won't be necessary. We won't be speaking in tongues. We won't need to speak in tongues. We won't need prophecy because we'll be, it'll be fulfilled. It's finished. We'll be with him. So we won't need all those things. So those things will vanish apart or vanish away, but love will remain. Love will never fail. And all those, those gifts that he, he's talking about, it's good. These aren't bad. It's not, you know, we're not talking about that, but that's, that's not the end all. It's all for love. It's all for the sake of love. Verse 9, For we know in part, 
and we prophesy in part. We don't know the full, we don't know what it's going to look like all the way. We know some, we have some answers, but we don't really know. Our minds cannot comprehend fully what heaven's going to look like or, or what, um, what it'll be like. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So in it, right now we know partly. We, we get to see a glimpse of the picture, but one day, one day it'll be complete. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So there's different ways to interpret this, but this is saying it's like heaven right now. It's like those, we only get the part. We only get a picture of it. We get a glimpse of it. And I know as, as children of the Lord, we want kindness. We want gentleness. And you know, if you've been around children, that's what they, they gear towards. Something that's mean and angry, they don't want it. They, they want those kind people around them. And so just as us, we're like children right now in the sense of we don't get to see the full picture yet. But one day we will. And we're growing, continually growing. We should be anyways and not stagnant. But we need to pray for that, that we would grow in love, that we would grow in understanding and knowledge. And next time, this time next year, hopefully we have even more of an understanding and more and more. For we know, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So if you ever looked in a mirror and it's kind of fogged up or it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like, you know what, I can kind of see, I see, you know, or you're trying to, we have fog here. So we, we're looking out the window and we kind of can see, we know the road's here. And that's kind of what it feels like sometimes in this life. We can see a part, but one day, one day we get to be with Jesus face to face. Here we can't see God face to face. We couldn't handle it. But one day heaven and that's what our hope is for. That's what our, our excitement is for, is one day we will be face-to-face with him, and then we will know fully. He already knows us, but we will know him fully. And so that's just the excitement of this chapter, is that we get to see him face-to-face one day and fully know him as he knows us. But as we're growing here, we get this personal relationship with, with the Lord, but it's limited. We can talk to him whenever we want, but we don't always feel his presence do we but he's always there but one day we get to be there and we won't want to leave we'll be so excited because we'll be basking in his glory seeing him in his full light 13 and now abide faith hope and love these three but the greatest of these is love so all these things, these things will endure forever. The faith, the hope, and the love. We take relationships. We take love with us to heaven. Not our possessions, not our cars. Thank God, not these bodies. <laughs> but we get to have those things that we, the faith that we had here and the hope and the love. Those things will be. But the greatest is love. And we see that the Lord had such a purpose with it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. 
It's that hope. We're, we're excited. We're looking forward to it. We have faith. We're trusting. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because what we see right here is kind of, a lot of times, is very dim. We don't really know what's going to happen. We get light just for that little step that we're on, and we don't know the future. That's where our faith comes in. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God desires that in us. We have to have faith. And that's that relationship with him. Hebrews eleven six. Hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us, given to us. Romans 5, 5. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's cool. We get to be there with the Lord in his presence. Even if it's in part right now where it's not complete, it's not full because we're not physically there with him. We get to enter in because of Jesus. That's Hebrews 6.19. Love fulfills the law in Romans 13.10. And you, you remember with closing, there's two, um, the Lord said there was two commandments that fulfilled all the commandments. And the first was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's a lot of love for him and the second is love your neighbor as yourself in those two things the whole law is fulfilled but it's all love it's all agape and so we can't pick and choose when we want to love or when we don't want to love or when we want to forgive and when we don't want to forgive and move forward and and it's such a it's a high standard to live up to but we can with the lord so I made these little things. They're, I put them on cardstock, but you can put them on your fridge. And uh, just daily kind of read it because I know I need these reminders. But it's, um, it's the verse that we were just doing, uh, 4 through 8, because we need it constantly. We need to be able to, whether we're married or single or, or whatever, wherever you're at, we need those reminders of how to love. What does love really look like? So let's pray, and then you can do your questions around the table. Lord, we just, we thank you, Lord, for love. We thank you that you loved us so much that you would give us your only son. That that time that Jesus was there with you from the very beginning, that you would sacrifice for him to come to earth through Mary, Lord, that you would have that separation, not having that consistent time like you did before with Jesus for us. And that's love. And yet you did that while we were sinning, while we, while we didn't even have or want a relationship with you. We see it through Jonah where you asked him to go and speak to Nineveh and they were such wicked people, but you had a heart for them. You wanted to save Sodom and Gomorrah. You wanted those people to come to you, Lord. And I, I'm just in awe of that because we, we don't deserve any of it. Even if our, our sins don't seem as big as other sins to you, sin is sin. And it's all hurtful and it blocks a relationship from you. So Lord, we just thank you. I pray that you'd help us to really understand this chapter that we would meditate on it, that we would hold tight to it and cling to it, Lord. We need it. 
We need you. We need you to be able to fulfill this in us, Lord, because we cannot humanly possibly without you love perfectly. And we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.